1: the athletic
2: almost 2 months on from that tweet jaden sancho is still out in the cold jaden was
1: um, performance on the training we didn't select him you have to reach uh, a level every day
2: on manchester united and we can make choices so are there any signs of reconciliation? And if not, how hard would it be for Manchester United to cash in this January? I'm Ayu Akimulere. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. With us for this, the Athletics Manchester United writers, Laura Whitwell and also Carla Anker as well. Now Laura, let's start with you. Um your piece dropped on the Athletic this morning, and actually it's two months to the day since Jadon Sancho played for Manchester United, that game against Nottingham Forest, which Manchester United won 3-2. But where are we with this, with with the situation with Jadon Sancho? Whenever a player has
3: been banished like this, you're sort of always thinking, how has this happened? Who, who's at fault? Where do you put the blame? Has someone been harsh? Has the player you know pushed his luck, basically? I think the general impression from fans is that they think that Ten Hag is right in what he's doing. I think maybe some people think that that's uh, a little bit strict, but that actually Sancho's had enough chances where Ten Hag's given him time to improve his uh, standards or you know make a case for himself and he hasn't uh, fulfilled those requirements. And so this is the next step, naturally. And I think fans can see with their own eyes the performances on the pitch. So there's that element to it where he hasn't exactly uh, enamoured himself to them by... You know, scoring loads of goals and creating loads of assists. I think there's certainly been moments where he's played for Manchester United and he's looked good, um, and people have wanted to get behind him. I mean, not least um, we were talking earlier on the Talk of the Devils podcast about how Jaden Sancho scored against Liverpool in in a game for Ten Hag at the start of last season, where it was actually quite a, a pivotal fixture where Ten Hag was under pressure. So Sancho produced a real brilliant moment of skill in that game and that felt like oh could this be the start of something and he he actually was having a a decent run of fixtures at that point but it's then come again to this stage where clearly Ten Hag feels he's not doing enough in training and we've got the details exactly as to the kind of catalyst for this uh, particular issue although there has been lingering aspects to Sen Tancho's performances that Ten Hag wasn't happy with in the piece yeah ultimately people are thinking well listen you've had your chance and, and probably it's for the best if you end up leaving
2: I love how you've managed to plug talk of the Devils through that <laughs> Sorry, right. am I allowed to I do that? It. Nah, you can do that. Of course you can, man. All good. <laughs> I love it. Just interlinked, as I like to say. Now, Carl, um, let's talk about that That tweet. What was it? Uh, seven weeks or so ago. And I, I know we've t- spoken about Jen and Sancho on, on this podcast before, but Adam Crafton <laughs> sort of succinctly put it. In these words, he said he just needs to grow up. <laughs> um, now we, we've had time for this to, to breathe a little. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Was it a mistake to publicly criticise the manager in such a way?
0: It was an unforced error, and uh, as Laurie's alluded to, he, it really felt as if Sancho overplayed his hand, shall we say? If this is the Jaden Sancho that had got ten goals and ten assists last season and was really pushing to be in the starting lineup, then I think Manchester United fans would have more to say about the situation. However, what's also been quite disappointing is that since Jaden Sancho gave out that tweet, and something I always come back to is in the second section of that tweet, in that statement, Sancho says he will do whatever is possible to fight for that shirt. And it just hasn't come across that way. It seems very, very clear that if Jaden Sancho wants to fight for the Manchester United shirt, he has to walk into Eric Den Haag's office and say, I'm sorry, can we restart? And okay, maybe Jaden Sancho is not going to be the player he was at Borussia Dortmund at Manchester United. But nothing improves at Manchester United for Jaden Sancho until he says sorry. And the longer, and you know, the more time has passed, the more time you've got to point out, actually, no, he, he's not fighting for the shirt. He's not doing the thing that he said he was going to do. Hence the, just grow up. Mm. You get a sense that, like, obviously, Ten
2: Hag wants intensity from his players, right? You, you, you want to be operating at that top level. If Manchester United trying to get to where it's been historically, right? And from your perspective, Laurie, can we just get a sense of just how fraught this relationship is? Because as Carl alluded to, he wants to fight for that shirt, but he's still not playing for Manchester United. (laughs) He's still not stepping up on the pitch. Clearly, something's going to miss here.
3: It has to be pride for me. I, th- I think whilst he might want that, his pride won't allow him at the moment, it seems, to apologise um, because then I think he would feel uh, diminished by that. But on the other side, Erickson Haag is not going to back down because you know he's the boss of Manchester United. And he came in with issues over discipline uh, standards. You know he's, he's referenced those publicly and he feels that if he relented in this situation now, his authority would take a hit and he just doesn't see that as a as a possibility. So and I don't I don't think he, he wants to anyway. I think he it kind of feels like it's the right thing to do, to have people training at an intensity that is such a level that when they go into the games, the games are actually, you know, a bit easier maybe. Or, you know, that they, they can kind of do it and it's not a problem. And so if you've got you know people that perhaps are you know kind of not doing what he wants in training and he's you know he's quite specific about this and he's he's gone through with Sancho in a video session after the dust has settled after a week or so after the the social media post to kind of explain this is this is why you know so he's he's, he's gone the education route in, in my eyes there uh, he's not just kind of hitting with the stick and gone right you out outrageous uh, social media post he's tried to kind of bring him in but the essence of it is that you, you do need to apologise for this social media post because people would say, well, why has Ten Hag even gone public? And, and there's, a, there's a sense some some people have, even within the club, are kind of questioning, could he have handled that differently? But the question was, and I was there in the press conference at the time, it was, you know, why, why is Jaden Sancho and Scott McTominay out? McTominay, illness, and then uh, Sancho, he was like, well, he wasn't at the levels in training. It was quite a... It was enough, obviously. So he knows what he's doing. He's he's made it public. He clearly went into that situation thinking, I'm not going to sugarcoat this if I'm asked about it. But it wasn't like he kind of did a a hit job on Sancho and kind of went into detail about what was wrong. He kind of just made it quite simple. And that, to me, is a message to Sancho. You know, If he's had these conversations behind the scenes, he also feels like now, actually, I need to make it public so that people can understand why he's not in the team. And generally, I don't think Tanar does actually... He's pretty honest with with most of what he says. I mean, I know managers can have you know flirtations with the truth at different points. I know Carl Carl sort of you know <laughs> squinting a little bit, and I do I accept your point card. There's yeah. definitely a manager's license. He doesn't to... tell
0: fibs, but he he doesn't tell fibs. He does like to omit. Yeah, okay. And I think it was interesting that he didn't omit here with Sancho. I was in the same press conference in you, and he could have very easily said illness, which has become sort of Ten Hag's catchall term mm. for. Loads of injuries that he doesn't want to elaborate into. So it was pointed. It was Ten Hag very much going, I've tried the carrot with this player. Let me try the stick. And I mean, it's remarkable that we're still talking about this and and not so much talking about the fact that Manchester United came very close to beating Arsenal and lost 3-1. That statement became the story.
3: Because it is an unusual thing, isn't it, for a manager to criticize a player in in that way I think you know particularly mm. when it's it's a player that people think you know he's he's kind of done it with Garnacho uh, previously as a young player it was him that revealed about Marcus Rashford being late for a team meeting and that's why he was out of the team and then I know Rashford yeah. elaborated yeah. after the game so he has had these moments where he's just I guess just pushing the players but then obviously Sancho's reaction is just way beyond I think what anyone expected I think maybe we thought maybe Sancho could could snap back a little bit but not to that degree where he's saying it's completely untrue he's saying he's a scapegoat uh, and he's saying there's other reasons uh, for him not being selected which is quite it's quite serious stuff this so I can see why Ten Hag is absolutely saying that you ca- you cannot come back into my team or even into the first team picture without acknowledging that that was wrong and saying sorry and that we can communicate that to the fans so that they understand the situation but then I even wonder if that would be enough, you know, because at this point it's almost like a performative thing now. He, he, I don't know, would Sancho really mean it?
0: That That's sort of one of the, the questions that's been asked. It feels very schoolboy. I was a young terror when I was 14, 15. Were you, Carl? And, yeah.
2: yeah, a little bit. Let, tell us more you about know, this.
0: You know. Nah, it's another podcast for another time. <laughs> yeah, there, there were three or four times where I'd go to a teacher, what I thought of him, and then a teacher would go, you have to apologise. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to apologise. And similarly, I'd be detention, 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 detention. Until eventually someone went, look, you'll be in detention all year unless you say sorry. And I was like, fine, I'll say sorry.
2: But Carl, you're a, you're a schoolboy, not a professional footballer on 200 grand a week. Like, it's a very different situation. He's a professional,
0: right? Jaden Sancho is 23 years of age. His time at Dortmund, statistically, he was one of the most productive goal scorers and goal creators in Europe's top five leagues. He was phenomenal playing on the right-hand side. In part, massively because Borussia Dortmund had overlapping right backs in Hakimi and then eventually Thomas Mounier. He ends up at Manchester United, and his right back is Aaron Wan-Bissaka, which is a dramatically different playing circumstance. And he—he, he, you know, there was a big song and dance about him arriving. It turns out he's got ear infection, so he doesn't really play too much of preseason. But there's loads of hype. There's loads of excitement. Everyone's really excited. He's on the bench in the opening game against Leeds. United win that game. They absolutely blow leads away. Sancho plays for a couple of minutes and you're all thinking, this is amazing. This United team on the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to go up and up and up and up and up. And just before that transfer window closes, Cristiano Ronaldo turns up and things change. The setup of that front three changes. Ronaldo gets the number seven shirt. Sancho, who's wearing 25, two plus five, is now going, hang on, wait. So I could have got the seven shirt instead. It, It does feel really juvenile that you know, for some reason, this 23-year-old who was touted as one of the best, most mature players in Europe's top five leagues is, for some reason, that he doesn't want to elaborate, but he probably should elaborate, is acting like a 14-year-old.
1: Football is bigger and more complicated than ever before. Just ask VAR. Check-up league. It's fine. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So the daily football briefing is here to help whether it's the world cup, it's a kind of face saving, everyone's happy, no one's a loser, Lionel Messi,
2: as they say he completed football
1: or Manchester United, I mean
3: the performances all season have been questionable, that are making you quizzical. The daily football briefing
1: has all the answers you need for every football story that matters and it does
2: exactly what the name suggests, it's daily, it's brief. And it's all about
0: football. The daily football briefing from The Athletic, available wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more
1: you're listening to the athletic football podcast with Ayo Akinwalere look who it is it's Jadon Sancho for Dortmunds. and it just gets better and better Sancho fresh on and gets himself on the scoreship
2: have United given him you know the tools to succeed we look at his time at Dortmund Primarily played on the left wing, right? Like,
0: and so this this is really interesting. He's so he, you know United want to buy him before twenty twenty one. So this is this is. And Laurie wrote an amazing piece about this about how Dortmund apparently had a few. It was 125 million?
3: 120 million, Yeah, was what they were after. I, right. I think that was euros to be fair, but Sorry. yeah, it was a lot of money at the time. You know, United said no to it, and it was a whole summer thing, wasn't it? Like a really prolonged period. Ahmad came in later that summer, you know, as the kind of right winger, you know, we're still sort of waiting for that one to develop into something first team. But yeah, then the next summer when United actually got him, it was seen as, okay, they've actually got a good deal for this guy that was, as you say, Carl. his numbers were astonishing. There were also issues off the pitch that United have encountered. So the timekeeping, uh, the oversleeping, but they basically had people that would make sure that he was on time or, or turning up. It's how much of that is... Just him not appreciating the the seriousness of just being on time, so that you have respect for your teammates and your, and your management
2: staff. How much of it is not having that care? You know, it, it, where do you draw the line there? I suppose. Yeah, but 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 my, my my thing is right. If if you're going to spend that kind of money on on a player, surely you're thinking how this player is going to be integrated into the squad, right? Based on what you've seen, uh, at Dortmund, for instance, and I've seen him play in different positions. You've seen that false nine position, uh, for Manchester United. I mean, I'm I'm just thinking, and I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. Are they using this player to his effectiveness, if that's even a word, at Manchester United?
0: If United had paid the hundred and twenty million euros to pick up Sancho in the summer of 2020, Jadon Sancho was a right winger at that point in time. If you arrived then, I'm pretty sure Sancho would have been quite happy to play on the right-hand side. And the question there would have been, you'd probably need to drop Wan-Bissaka and you probably need to play Dalot. I think that extra season he has in Dortmund, he plays a lot. He plays more or less close to half of the season on the left. So he, he changes the player in his final season at Dortmund and in his first season at Manchester United, because Marcus Rashford is not having a good season at all and Anthony Langa is doing what Ralph Rangnick wants to say and also because Dalo and Wampaseka are not the overlapping right backs but, but Solskjaer Carrick and Rangnick go I've got Luke Shaw they all move Sancho to the left that plan worked for a little bit and then, and then Luke Shaw got injured for three months and then I had to watch Alex Talise try and over <laughs> Sancho and it was oh it was horrific but I think this 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 became a big thing of the things that helped make Sancho very good in Germany were not there at Manchester United in a tactical sense he needs an overlapping right back because the big misdirect we will have with Jaden Sancho is he's not quick. He is not an explosively quick run from point A to You've point B. You've said this B before and that winger.
2: really surprised me, Carl. Like I I just naturally think he's rapid and he just skips he's not past rapid. players. And actually, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know the stats particularly for his speed up, if he's one of the slowest or fastest at Manchester United. But yeah, it really surprised me.
0: He's, he's not got that explosive half burst over 10, 15 yards. So I mean, I, you know, I was there in the Euros. I went to Rome. I was talking to Archie Tutt, who is a fantastic Bundesliga correspondent, and he said he described Sancho as a half space boy. Right? You put him in that. You put him in that gap between the centre back and the, and the full back, and you let him dribble, and he's going to cause loads of damage if you give him loads of runners. And the re, the way he gets into half space is your your full back overlaps and he cuts inside, and then he sizes your man up, and then he goes, "I'm going to." Do this and this and this. The speed comes from his speed of thought, not from his speed of body. Fine. That's that's cool in the Bundesliga, especially in the Bundesliga where there's loads of space open on transition and everyone wants to defend, you know, four two three one midblocks, mid blocks and you're going up and down and counter-attacking. And you saw in that first season at Manchester United, I mean, I mean Janus Sancho was playing against Burnley, and going, what is this? Why, why, why are the five men behind the ball at all points in time? I can't break this down. Can someone help me? Uh, and it was no coincidence in his first season, his best game happened against Southampton under Ralf Hasenut, a team that plays like a German team, because Hassanul was in the Bundesliga. He was like, oh, this is easy. So those are the tactical issues that were there. Then you get to the problem of, because Sancho is not quick, and because his effectiveness was like dramatically limited in the Premier League, you get to the point of going, should I build my entire attack around Sancho? And the answer is, probably not. Because he's not as quick as Marcus Rashford, so he's not going to get that left-hand side space. United have not bought or overlapping right back. They probably could have. Well, this is it, Carl. You're making so-
3: me remember. Kieran Trippier was the guy that they were in that same oh. era. I mean, whatever happened to him? <laughs> is he is he is he all right at the moment? Is he doing okay? He's doing all
0: right. <laughs> he, he lost against a certain German team on the week, so, sure. uh, <laughs> but he, he loves. So to you overlap. got that as well.
3: Oh Imagine.
0: So you got that as well. So that that was a problem. I, I remember last season, Sancho had a particularly poor game against Ammonio Nicosia. This is a Europa League group game. This is against the Cypriot champions. And okay, maybe James and Sancho isn't fast enough to get past a Kieran Tripper, to get past a car walker, to get past a Reese James. But he should be fast enough and confident enough to try and outstrip the f- starting right back or the starting fullback on the Cypriot champions. And I mean this with a little bit of disrespect.
3: Disrespect intended.
0: <laughs> disrespect intended. Sancho should have Sancho should have been looking at those Europa League group games and going, I'm skinning everyone. And he just didn't. And this this I remember this being the real sort of eyebrow raising moment for United fans going, if he's not trying to take on fullbacks here in the Europa League group stage, is he ever going to make it in the Premier League? I wrote a piece saying, okay, if he's not going to be on the wide positions, then he can do the other position, which is as the number 10, which he did play for Dortmund sometime. And this is, I think, why Ten Hag spent this preseason playing Sancho in central positions as the 10, as the false nine going. If you're not quick enough out wide, I'll try in the middle. But Sancho is not productive player in the same way as Bruno Fernandes. So you have that problem. He's not as quick as Rashford, so he can't get the left-hand side. There's no overlapping right-back, so he can't have the right. He's not as ridiculously creative as Bruno Fernandes, so he's not going to get the 10. So even if Sancho does apologise and gets brought back in the fold, where does he play? Mm. Carl, just on that as well, you're saying all this.
2: I'm here, on the a layman, and I'm not a football scout in any way, shape or form. Why did Manchester
0: United buy him? Because, honestly he wasn't like this in Dortmund.
3: It's interesting on that point, Carl, because Eric Ten Hag says, when we asked him about this in San Diego, he said, actually, if you looked at his games, this is kind of how he was playing for Dortmund. And I, I would take, <laughs> I, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I don't think he was, because I think he had more kind of confidence to try things. And as you say, that the relationships were there. But it's interesting that he Ten Hag sort of views that as, well, actually, I saw quite a lot of Bundesliga games and, and this is kind
0: of what I expected from Sancho. In the Sancho in the positions, yes. I think the trajectory of Sancho at United, first you have the, he really needs the overlapping right back. Then you have the, he needs Luke Shaw back if you want to play on the left. Then you have the, I oh, could probably do with a striker like Haaland up top to make it work. And then you have the point of, I've made all of these things about what he needs. At some point, he, he does need to just be better himself. Uh, and the problem is, there is no Jaden Sancho game in a Manchester United shirt. That He's got a goal, he's got some moments, but I don't think for a player who's cost £73 million, he's not pulled up any trees. Which again, the layman question of how did we get this so wrong? To which I think there's probably a lot of people in scouting and analytics departments going, right. Is the Bundesliga tax real? Mm. <laughs> so, Laurie, this leads me
2: nicely into into this. Really, like, I mean, is this something that, that Ten Hag has created or inherited fundamentally? And and just how bad is it at this moment in time? Because you've written about it. Um, wh- where is he in Manchester United? Who is he training with? Who is he seeing day to day? You know, I'm just go back to the David Beckham documentary when he uh, when Fabio Capella yeah. got into play. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know,
3: <laughs> away from the first team. Is, are we at that situation? This does happen, and it is. I think all elite managers feel or just instinctively want to just know that they have to stamp their authority. I mean, Pep Guardiola, you know, he publicly criticised Calvin Phillips for being overweight and that happens and then people move on. And uh, But because City are winning, it's a different context. It kind of feels more pressurised because United are in a turbulent position and, and, you know, people have questioned Ten Hag at different moments. But I think all... Managers of a certain level feel like they need to make sure that they flex their muscles and the players are under their uh, sort of guidance and instruction. I do think it's partly you know something that he inherited. You know because as Carlos touched on, it just wasn't it hadn't fit. It hadn't wasn't like Sancho was in a position going great guns. Ten Hag comes in with a new way of thinking and it changes. This has been you know where does he play? Uh, and how does he play it has been a struggle for Solskjaer, for Ranić and now for Eric Haag. It's interesting, it's kind of ironic when you think about the Ronaldo aspect as as a really crucial element, you know, him him coming in and there's certainly been, I think there was a difference of opinions between them on certain aspects, which is kind of ironic because Ronaldo was the first person that Ten Hag got rid of for disrupting his authority and now Sancho's the next one, but actually Ronaldo also thought that Sancho probably should be doing more in training. Uh, You know, I think that's one of the things that Ronaldo was kind of referencing when he spoke about, you know, the youngsters these days, don't do it like I used to do it, etc.
2: I remember when I was 18, 19, 20s, I I'm always looked to see the best players, Van Nistelrooy, Ferdinand, Roy Keane, Giggs. This is why I have the successful that I have and longevity, because I take care of my body, my mentality, my head. Because I see these guys and I learn from them.
3: As for what he's up to at the moment, yeah, I mean, he is training at Carrington. I think sometimes it's solo, sometimes it's with other academy players. He's getting changed in the academy facilities. I mean, it's it's quite a a bleak experience when you think about the fact that he has to lock the dressing room door when he's getting changed so that uh, underage players don't accidentally come in, you know, for safeguarding issues. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's pretty stark. I say we've had this story before haven't we where managers are kind of pushing players to to, to breaking point almost uh, but then again he seems like he is you know resolute in his stance and he's doing other things outside the pitch that we can all see in terms of the computer games in terms of um, enjoying himself um, over in New York or a a nightclub in London which you know is again fine you know people are allowed a, a private life but that's stuff that I don't think Tanag would look at and go okay this is a guy that actually really wants to get back in my team and you know I should actually give a bit more leeway to
1: This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stressors, big and small, and when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings, and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athletic football. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L P dot com slash athletic football with no spaces. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Io
2: Akimwale. It feels like Ten Huggers actually, as a manager as firm as he has been, Carl, has gone, OK, maybe, maybe things aren't the way they need to be. We talk about sending him to the Netherlands to do some training or some work. Off you go, do your little thing, come back with a with a much more professional attitude. And it's that bed of childishness. I don't know. I'm just reading into this. I'm not in Manchester United. It feels like there's that bed of childishness that's just impetulence, maybe.
0: <laughs> I, I, think, I think the sad thing is they're probably both right, or they probably both think they are right. So Ten Hag is probably looking at Sancho going, why are you behaving this way? I've done everything before. I've done as much as I can for you. I've tried moving you in the middle. I've tried, I've given you games on the left. I've given you games at false nine. I've showed you video clips of exactly what you need to do. Why do you not understand that you need to turn up on time and you need to be doing this in training? Like, why are you not getting it? And if you're Jaden Sancho, Sancho's probably looking at 10 Hag going, why do you not get it? I'm trying my best. Okay, I'm late maybe this as much times, but I'm really trying. Like, why do you keep playing Anthony ahead of me? Anthony's not playing that good either. Why is Anthony getting all this protection whereas I get, I'm i getting slated here? Why did you spend all this money on a player who can only really use his left foot? And there really should be someone in the middle resolving that. And you know, in your piece, Laurie, you're saying that person is John Murray.
3: He, he would be, but I, yeah, he's tried to mediate. I mean, I agree with you. I think actually, you know, United at this point, there should be someone, you know, getting involved and trying again to, to resolve it. That person probably would be John Murtaugh. Whether they're already... I mean, they are already thinking about January, though. They're already thinking about a potential exit. and But that's going to be easier said than done just because of his wages and the fact that people are witnessing this. You know, <laughs> European... It's not been a secret, this
0: this kind of thing. So people are well aware of the the difficulties. Even so, shouldn't it not be your responsibility to go, let's get him in, get him to play a handful of games, you know, 30, 30 minutes, 10 minutes, so he can at least show the world that he's he can play football... From January first, yeah.
3: The, the the issue is there though that he he can't possibly you know tell a manager what to do. Tenag, you know, he's up. He, I mean, he's got a lot of authority at the club as it is. Uh, but I think even if he didn't, I, I don't think a football director should ever be saying. I mean, maybe that those kind of conversations do happen from time to time. I, I certainly know, you know, under Sir Alex Ferguson, for example, he would he would play a player. Uh, just to give them some minutes in, you know, the, the Carling Cup or
2: whatever it was. Well, that that definitely brings us to that point. Then, uh, if if there were some suitors, I mean, I, d- I don't want to just say Saudi Arabia because I just feel like that's such a cop out. Uh, Saudi Arabia is, is on that much money. Send him there, like you know, that's the reality. though. that's what United, you know,
3: felt like. You know, it, particularly because their transfer window was open for longer. So after. Jane Sancho's social media post, that, that that came out. Saudi Arabia was the only window open, really. I mean, there was, there was the Turkish one, I think, as well. So they were seen as the only viable option, Io, yeah. so But I, I know what you're saying. It feels like an unimaginative solution to this situation. But because of his wages, maybe United could then take a hit on what they... Uh, you know, except from a, another club, just so that Sancho can get some minutes. And as Carl's touched on, maybe if he, if he can play elsewhere, then that reminds people that actually this is a kid who's got a lot of talent and maybe that retains some of the value for then in the summer being able to sell him. Because uh, I, I don't see how Sancho plays for Ten Hag again now. I know at the time we, we kind of discussed this, didn't we, Carl? about can you see a, a solution? And at that point there was some mediation going on and it sort of felt like both parties were hopeful at least, if not um, expectant that something could happen Happen, but I think it's become clear that both are
2: entrenched in their positions. Did United you know cancel this contract? It screams of Aubameyang, it screams of Ozil, but they were at the back end of their careers. you still got a really young lad here. Um, is, is it even financially worth the United's time to cancel this contract? I wouldn't say so.
0: Uh, Sancho's contract runs until 2025, if memory serves. And his wages are thought to be north of £200,000 a week, which is... Sizable. Arsenal terminated. Well, Arsenal managed to move on Mesut Ozil when he was on 350, I believe. And Oba was on north of 200,000 pound a week as well. And they ended his contract early. But those were a bit closer along, I think.
3: 2026 plus one. That is a hefty contract. So, yeah, So I don't think anyone's thinking of, of that uh, avenue. I think they're just... Yeah, trying to see what solution can be found. Uh, but, you know, it takes Sancho to agree. You know, he he's obviously shown that he won't be easily led to a situation to to do something if he doesn't want to. That's absolutely fine. It's his career, it's his life. So that's why I think the Saudi Arabian links were kind of, he just wasn't interested in the summer. Whether that changes in January, I don't know. But I think that's, you know, just United will probably start to ask questions in you know, as we get closer to the window of of clubs that might... And, and, you know, situations change, don't they? You know, somebody gets injured, then actually Sancho looks like a a good solution to a a short-term problem. But yeah, as it stands, it feels like it's going to be a a difficult situation to resolve that one.
0: What football club wants to take on a player who is now widely reported has trouble with timekeeping and was reluctant to apologise to a football manager? You need a club that is perhaps outside the Champions League places going... Sancho could be our best attacker and we could build our entire attack around him and that might be worth it. Or a club that's trying to make a statement on a, on a grand stage, i.e. somewhere in Saudi Arabia or somewhere in, in Turkey or somewhere in, in another nation that's trying to make a splash.
2: From a football fan perspective, I don't, I don't know, like, you see a young player who looks attractive on the eye, especially when he played for Dortmund. And we are now in this really weird situation and also playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world, right? You know, and I, and I look at, you know, what Ange Postecoglou Cogley was saying, and I'm paraphrasing what he said in terms of when he came to Tottenham, he just wanted to remind these players that they are lucky. <laughs> they are lucky to be doing something like this. It's not a day job where you're going to the bank and like, you know, checking in nine to five. You're playing your boyhood dream. Like you're doing something like this in front of loads of people. It's basically what you've dreamt of doing since you were a kid. And now we're mm. at this situation now and it's just a bit sour
0: it's a tragedy i hear that statement a lot of sancho's being paid this much amount of money to play football why on earth is he not more grateful and i i'm looking at the situation going sancho is probably thinking that right now we've all you know in our professional lives or in personal lives probably had a moment where we are not doing what we think we should be doing right and i've had i've had this where i I went into a certain environment and I just couldn't reconcile things with myself and I couldn't perform to levels I want. And I'm just in the bathroom staring at myself in the mirror and I'm calling myself all sorts of terrible things and saying, why can't you behave? Why can't you get your act together? And I'm sure Sancho's probably had that conversation with himself right now. And it's a real shame that he cannot, for one reason or another, be the football player he used to be at Manchester United. And the bit in that statement that, that really gets to me is he says... I believe there are other reasons for this matter that I won't go into. And I I want him to. I'm sure one day we'll get Jaden Sancho's full side of the story about what happened, But also, you know, Sancho probably needs to to come to terms with what happened. And I don't think that's going to happen here. I think the current environment at Manchester United is not the most productive for him. You know, Laurie said he's having to lock the door in the changing room in the academy centre. You do that sort of thing going, how did I get here? There's a segment in there about what's happening when when Sancho needs to get lunch and how he can't go into the main building when the first team is there. I'm sure there's probably two or three moments where he probably went, what am I doing? Or he's talking to some of his team friends in the first team and they've gone, so are you going to join us anytime soon? And he's, and he's probably gone, we'll see. Right? Sancho's asking himself these questions. Like, Have I made the right decision to come to United? Did I make the right decision doing what I did with Eric? Did I make the right decision not apologising? And the fact that he's still here is sad. If he still can't reconcile things with himself and do something, that should be treated with a sadness and hopefully, eventually, some kindness down the road. Because it it looks as if he really needs an arm around the shoulder and a, look, mate, we'll get to where you need to be eventually.
3: He's a complex character, I think. You know, you've heard different stories of him being kind of reluctant to do media interviews and, and put himself out there. Um, but then when he does do an interview, like he did uh, away at Leicester, he'd scored the winning goal at the King Power Stadium last season. He was very polite, you know, uh, shook uh, journalist's hand, gave interesting answers. And and to all accounts, that's what he's been like with the uh, academy players that he's mixed with during this exile. You know, he's kind of answered their questions. He watched um, an under-18s game whilst United were away in Bayern munich so that that contrast as carl's touched on there must be going through his mind i could be playing in the champions league tonight and naturally you know i'm i'm kind of watching under 18s game which i suppose you know is is quite nice as well you know he's watching uh, the next generation come through he, he answered their questions afterwards so he must be a stubborn character in some regards but then also a softer individual in other aspects so it's it's kind of difficult to pinpoint exactly what the the nub of it is but i
2: agree with carl i think clearly he must be sort of trying to ask himself these questions okay fantastic let's leave it there gents Uh, Carl Laurie appreciate your time and do not forget you can sign up to The Athletic today to read the Jaden Sancho article in full right now for just one ninety nine a month for 12 months at theathletic.com forward slash football pod and actually while you're there leave us a quick review and rating if you've been enjoying the podcast we'd love to hear from you thanks for listening
1: you've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark, with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beal. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. To listen to other great athletic football podcasts for free, search for The Athletic on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places and head to theathletic.com slash footballpod for the very latest subscription offers. The Athletic Football Podcast is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.